Hey friends, I have some super exciting news to share. The MyFit Podcast has officially surpassed 30,000 downloads this month. And to celebrate, I'm going to open up an online MyFit Podcast store where you can purchase anywhere up to five different colored MFP t-shirts. Uh, this 30-day sale will include the shirt colors of black, red, ice blue, midnight navy, and military green. Uh, if you've been looking for a way to support the show, this along with leaving a rating and review on iTunes are the best way to do so. And whether you're local to the Lakeville area or you listen from around the country, I would be more than happy to mail your shirt to you once the store is closed on September 8th. Thank you guys for the continued support. If you want a great fitting MyFit Podcast t-shirt, click the link in my bio on Instagram at DJ Hillier or at the MyFit Podcast, and you can select whatever size or t-shirt color that you would like. Thank you again for the support, and I look forward to seeing you with your new MyFit Podcast gear. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the MyFit Podcast, hosted by fitness coach, business owner, and CrossFit Games athlete, DJ Hillier. Physical fitness and podcasting are two of his life passions, and his goal is to train, educate, and inspire those who want to improve their general health. These podcasts are designed to help everyone, from the occasional gym member trying to improve their overall wellness to the fitness enthusiast. The episodes capture a wide spectrum of topics, including training, coaching, nutrition, entrepreneurship, relationships, and mindset. Follow the show on Instagram at the MyFit Podcast and subscribe to his newsletter at djhillier.com. So let's get to it. Hey everybody, I'm DJ Hillier and you're listening to another edition of the MyFit Podcast. This week's sponsor is My5 Fitness. And for those of you that have been listening to the show for a while, you know that's the gym that I've been training out of uh, ever since I got into fitness and, and became a coach. And they're a sponsor this week. And I just want to spread the word that if you are local or in the area of the Twin Cities, be sure to stop by My5 Fitness. Come get a workout with me. We'd love to give you a free week and show you kind of what we do at the gym. Uh, this week's review, rate you on iTunes, is brought to you by Ryan John F22. And he said, DJ's My Fit podcast is full of amazing content. His guests are always entertaining and informative. And DJ does a fabulous job of engaging with the guests to bring a ton of energy to each episode. I find myself listening to and enjoying topics that I never thought I would find entertaining. The topics to have a prior interest in, I leave with an even greater understanding and excitement for. Do yourself a favor and make this podcast part of your weekly routine. Ryan John F22, thank you so much for the kind words. I really appreciate it and appreciate you being a consistent listener to the show and always getting something out of it. So thank you for taking the time to read and make a review. Uh, today's episode is Austin Maliolo. And for those of you guys that don't know Austin or haven't been in the CrossFit space uh, long enough, I'll give you some background on him. Austin is a year affiliate owner at Reebok CrossFit One. Uh, he's also been to the CrossFit Games seven times, which is just an amazing amount. Um, he's also been on the seminar staff for 10 years, traveling around the world and sharing the CrossFit methodology to people. Uh, he currently programs for over 40 gyms worldwide and is a part of the Ham Plan programming. And he's also the host of the Soapbox that you can find on any podcast platform. And I wanted to reach out and get Austin on the show. And after he agreed to be on, um, I took some time to kind of come up with, you know, what are some of the things I want to talk about as I do with all my guests. And I had a really good 
list of 10 to 12 questions of different items that I wanted to ask him. And interestingly enough, as I was preparing, getting ready for the show, I realized that a lot of the questions were very much related to each other. And it gave me the idea that Austin is one of those people that um, is in the minority of the group that can say they've been a affiliate owner, a CrossFit Games or high-level athlete, and been on seminar staff and have been coaching CrossFit all for 10 years plus. It's really an amazing feat. And um, I really wanted to take some time and see what were some of the things you've learned along those 10 years, hence the title, uh, 10 Lessons in 10 Years of Fitness. And I think Austin has so much to offer being through 10 years of a coach, affiliate owner, and a high-level athlete that um, I really wanted to squeeze everything I could out of him and hopefully Hopefully, whether, whether you guys are young in your career as a competitor or a gym owner or somebody who just enjoys fitness, um, I think you guys can definitely um, take away some lessons of his 10 plus years in his different uh, avenues of fitness. So that's kind of where we uh, wrapped up. I don't want to get into exactly what those uh, first five things are. You guys will have to listen ahead, but uh, we got into such a lengthy and good conversation. For those of you guys that know Austin, he likes to go on uh, soapboxes, which is why his podcast is called the Soapbox Podcast. So we cut it into two episodes. This week is going to be uh, tips or lessons one through five. Next week, we'll come back and go through six through 10. So it's going to be a two-week uh, hangout with Austin Maliolo learning the 10 lessons of fitness in 10 years. And guys, also, if you're looking to support the show, other than uh, leaving a rating and review that can be read aloud on the show, uh, check out the link in my bio on Instagram on either my page or the MyFit Podcast page. I have t-shirts for sale. I have five different colors. And whether you are local or not, I am uh, more than happy to mail those out to you guys. So if you're looking to support the show, want to get some new gear for the gym, uh, get yourself a MyFit Podcast shirt. All right, enough of me. Let's get to the episode. And so my pleasure to bring on Austin Maliolo to the MyFit Podcast. Austin, welcome to the show, man. Oh, thanks for having me. Uh, you're a guy that I've recorded about 80 episodes, 81 episodes uh, to this point, Austin. I would say that your name pops up more than almost anybody. I think whether it's MDV or James or uh, Jason Kalipa, <laughs> your name just keeps coming up with people that they've coached with and, and people that um, look up to you and your coaching style. So it came to a point where I was like, I got to get Austin on now because he's been, he's been referenced so many times. Oh, well, I, I appreciate that. I think, uh, my favorite aspect of the CrossFit community is that it does, it creates a, a group of people that have such mutual respect for one another and learn from one another, but also help them grow to whatever their opportunities might be. So I think um, it's a unique field where oftentimes growth creates competition, creates animosity, where in our world, it's more or less, hey, like we're doing some good stuff and if we do our jobs as leaders. We probably won't be able to keep all the good people because they got to go do some pretty good stuff on their own. So. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Yeah, it's a super unique field in that aspect. And that's kind of leads me to why I wanted to bring you on today. So um, as I was preparing for the podcast, uh, I was coming up with all my list of questions. And it really just kind of came down to me wanting to learn more about what you have learned over the last decade. And you're one of the few people in this industry that can say they've been a CrossFit coach, gym owner and CrossFit Games, high level athlete for 10 years, give or take a little bit. And so what I wanted to do is kind of give the listeners 
you know, 10 takes or 10 lessons that you've learned over these last 10 years and kind of give you a chance to walk down memory lane a little bit and look back at some of the things you've learned along the way, whether they were good times or bad times. And so uh, what we'll do today is we're going to go through uh, one through five. So it, not in any order, I don't think, but five things that yep. uh, you've learned along the way in the 10 years. Then we're going to come back next week. We're going to talk about six through 10. And hopefully I think through this um, kind of different way of doing a podcast, we can help some of the people out there, some of the young entrepreneurs entrepreneurs, coaches, CrossFit Games uh, uh, athletes, maybe help them kind of save some steps and hopefully uh, we can take away a bunch of things today. So that's kind of where we're headed today. Uh, Austin, does that sound like a good plan for you? I think it's great. Um, I, I think that uh, it was a great idea and, and, it, and, it, and it definitely made me spend some time to think about, you know, 10 lessons, 10 learnings, because uh, it's easy to talk about experiences, but you know, it's, a learning and, and, and sort of a, a takeaways has to be a little more, you know, it's not like, you know, make sure you squat, you know, like it's got to be a little more, more than that. So it was fun going through that process. And, and it is pretty remarkable as I kind of look over my list, it's how, how many things that you, whether if you learn something from the fitness domain, how it overlays into the business domain or, or vice versa, or something from your family, it's, um, and that's probably one of my favorite aspects of CrossFit is that when you take the 10,000 foot view, you, you can overlay a lot of values onto other walks of life. And, mm -hmm. you know, and I think, and I, and I would say that's probably why so many people are drawn to the CrossFit methodology of training, because it's, there's something special about the mindset that you need to have in order to not only step foot into the gym and, and have the ability to do that, but also be consistent with that and be challenged. So there's a lot there. So it, it was, it was a fun, it was a fun process. Good. I'm glad I got to uh, push you a little bit out of your comfort zone and look back into the past 10 years. So let's get started right away. So let's dive into uh, the first, the five things we'll take one by one. We'll talk about a little bit, maybe bring up a memory that kind of brings this to your attention and uh, I'll kind of give you the mic from here on out. Oh gosh. Awesome. Um, cool. So I definitely don't have, you know, when I was going through it, I, I, when I list the 10, there are no order specifically. Um, they just sort of, you know, there's not, not like one is better than 10. They're just 10 equal learnings from different areas. So I'll just go from the top of the list that I have. Um, and, the, you know, it's probably fitting that it is first because it's the first on my mind. But, you know, I wrote down, you know, be the hardest worker and expect no one to notice or care. Um, so in looking back across, you know, 10 years plus now, you know, oftentimes people ask me what the most important attribute somebody can have. And I, this, this kind of predates my years of, of within the CrossFit communities. And it was fun, something my father always kind of told me is that there's always going to be someone bigger, faster, stronger, and better than you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, but so all you can do is be the hardest worker in the room. And, you know, and it goes back to that belief that, what, like, what do you have control over and what don't you have control over? And, and that quite possibly is, you know, something that's really important nowadays, certainly in the landscape of the, you know, of the, the world that we live in. And there's so much happening, but what do we have control over? And I think that the easiest thing is your work ethic, your discipline, your, and, and what you, what you decide to do, what you decide not to do. Um, and, and how that equates, you know, I think from a fitness perspective, I think it, it speaks for itself, right? Be the hardest worker in the room. And, you know, and I would say, you know, everyone's like always says like, you know, X athletes, the hardest worker, this person is the hardest worker, you know, in any, in any domain, I would say, if you're the best at anything, you you're working hard and consistently the best, right? So, you know, 
whether you you know you're Michael Jordan, you're Rich Froning, whomever it might be. I mean, there's hard work, right? Mm-hmm. But and so that's let's take that for what it's worth and remember that. But the, the second part is really important because certainly for younger coaches, younger trainers out there, expect no one to notice or no one to care. Um, the reason why I think this is important is because hard work is not sexy. It's oftentimes not fun and there's no immediate gratification. And, you know, when, when, when I first started doing CrossFit year, you know, 12 years ago, there, there was no, no one cared, right? Like there was no social media about, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, around like no one gave a shit about like, you know, <laughs> now what are you, what are you back squatting or what's your workout time? Like nobody cared because, right. you know, you, you say CrossFit people are like what? right? Like cross training, yeah, yeah. You know, like, you know, and you know, see for a lot of us that found it, we just, wow, this is awesome. We love it. Let's keep doing this. And then, and then, you know, and then we just kept pushing and realized, well, if we want to get better, we got to work harder. We got to do all this stuff. And it was never for sponsorship. It was never for recognition, you know, gosh, it was never for money. Mm-hmm. Um, cause there was none. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I remember the first time I, first time I got like a, someone sent me some free product and I thought I was like the king of the (laughs) world. You know, I was like, wow, like this is amazing. And obviously that, you know, it's scope, right? Like you're a poor college kid, you know, and, and, and then you're, you know, next thing you know, someone sends you like, you know, a pair of, you know, compression. You're like, this is the most amazing thing in the world. Cause you know, you look at the price tag, I I could never afford this, you know, (laughs) but I just got something, you know, but, and then, but then when, when, Cause after I went to the CrossFit games in 2010, I applied to be on seminar staff. And I, you know, when I, I got my, you know, I got the internship and I got on staff and I just remember how much time I spent, you know, from that time to really now of practicing and rehearsing and learning and memorizing and studying. And I just, you know, oftentimes it was, I would be, you know, in, in a portion of the house or the room, I would be on a, I would, I would, I would move over uh, the kitchen table to in front of the doorway in the bathroom. Cause that was the only uh, mirror that we had. And I would demo mm. on the table so I could see my whole body. Right. Sure. Like, and you know, things like that where, and you know, just rehearsing and, and all these things. And it was for no one mm-hmm. other than myself, because I knew that if, if in order for me, to deliver a product that I am proud of in order for me to hit the standard that's expected, I need to do this. And now, and then from there, I, you know, I quickly found that if I just, the more time I spent, the harder I worked on it, the better I became. And I know that seems like, well, yeah, no shit, but it's, it's a, it's one of those things you have to prove it to yourself, mm. right? Like I think most people are hard learners. Mo- you know, none of us like hear something like, well, I'm going to do that. You know, mm. oftentimes we question it. We, we, you know, whatever it might be. So those things from trying to, from a, being a trainer to working out in the gym, you know, those, those are things that for years, no one's going to recognize that hard work. We were lucky from a, from a games perspective that, you know, if you, if you like say today at 20 year old, I want to go to the CrossFit games. It's a lot psychologically and emotionally, it's much harder because you're going to train for five years and maybe, mm-hmm. you know, just to make it to the game as on year six. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and I, and I think that when we started, the volume was, was increasing, but over time, the skills and the loading increased, like 
as the sport was rapidly growing. And so we were able to progress with it. It was like, it was a beautiful expression of linear periodization, just from volume and loading and skill and just expectations. So we were able to grow with that. I, so I, that's why I think it's even more important now is that you're going to have to be the hardest worker in the room. And same thing for, for, for being a trainer, right? Like mm-hmm. I walked into a gym and the reason why I didn't get a job was because, you know, at, at my first CrossFit gym was because there was a class in the morning, class at night. Mm-hmm. And because most owners of gyms 10 years ago had right. full-time jobs and, mm-hmm. you know, they would open the gym before and after they had their day job. So, you know, I was like, well, I'll, I'll, st- I'll, I'll clean the floors and I'll work out. And if you ever need me, I'll be here, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's how I ended up being a coach. Cause the coach didn't show up. I was able to jump in and coach, Sure, you know, now it's a lot, I think it's a lot different, right? Where you have businesses, you have, you know, you have uh, a, a, a wonderful educational hierarchy developed by CrossFit Incorporated where it's a lot harder just to get a coaching job other than just show up and hope that there's an opening, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so you have to be the hardest work in the room. You have to expect that no one's going to notice or care and about, no, no one's going to be like, well, how much time did you spend practicing? Like no one asked that question, right? right? Cause they just want to see the results. So I think now more than ever it is. Um, and it's hard because it's easy to get intoxicated by immediate gratification, mm-hmm. uh, by the expectation, you know, and I, no, and I, I, I just did a, you know, so I do a little 20 minute podcast a week, you know, the mm-hmm. soapbox and yeah, I, I, I love it. Yeah. And, and I, and I chatted a little bit on that, you know, about like sort of, so I went home this past weekend, my dad's moving. So I, it was cool. I was able mm-hmm. to kind of go down memory lane of where I started CrossFit. And, yeah. and I think that, and it, and it brought me to the, to, to thinking about the current athletes and, and, and it, it seems to me there's a trend that there's a lot more of expectation and mm-hmm. entitlement amongst yeah. athletes. And maybe that's just a different generation. Maybe it's, you know, and I, you know, maybe I'm like, you know, the old man now, like, you know, it's like sort of like a dad, but like, you know, I think there is this expectation of people to care. And, and, and what I mean by that is like, I, I always thought that no one cares about me. I'm just a guy that's working out. Like the, the fact that people wanted to watch me do a pull-up was mind blowing, <laughs> you know, like, you know, it's like, we're just exercising, you know? And like, mm-hmm. and, and, and I think, that level of humility sometimes is lost in some of the newer athletes and the expectation of I need to get paid or I, I demand this or what, you know, you know, I, I know there's always been this talk of like safety for athletes at the games. I was like, man, like I never thought of that. <laughs> like never once I was like, man, what are they doing to keep me safe? Cause I was like, I'm volunteering myself to be here. Like mm-hmm. I paid to be here. <laughs> like, like no one, no one was paying us in 2010 to go to the games. Like, I, you know, my dad and I flew out, you know, like, stayed in a hotel room together. <laughs> and, you know, if I was told to do something, I had the choice to do it or not. And, you know, so I, I because that was my choice. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought like any other sporting event, like I knew that whatever I was doing was probably stupid in the grand scheme of life. But my goal was to compete and mm-hmm. to win. So, you know, so I think th- those things are really important for the, certainly the athletes nowadays and the younger athletes that are up and coming, because there's a lot more sh- challenges and, and sort of ability to get sucked in mm-hmm. uh, to some of those things that might not be beneficial to the, to the big picture. 
Mm-hmm. I think it says so, it really speaks volumes about you yeah. too, Austin, because I've, like I've said, you've, your name has been brought up a lot on different podcasts. And the thing that people say about you uh, and on your podcast is that you're the heart, you are the hardest worker in the room and that people recognize that about you. And I think that's so cool that that, that was the first thing that kind of came up because I think, honestly, I think you demonstrate it really well. You've been doing this for 10 plus years and you're still grinding and working just as hard as you were 10 years ago. So I think to add to your number one point here is that it doesn't ever end. I mean, a lot of people, this has been a continuous theme on my show, but that just because, you know, a lot of people would see you, Austin, as at, at the top of the game, but just because you're at the top doesn't mean that it stops. Yeah, you know, and I think, and I guess it's funny, like, I think that might dovetail to another one. So I, I, I guess I'll skip around a little bit because I like what you just said there. And, and it, you know, I wrote it down as you got to dig the trenches but don't ever fully leave them. Mm. So, and, and I, you know, I guess like, I guess I never consider myself at the top. Um, you know, so when people say that, you know, I'm always like, oh, it, it means a lot, but I think to myself, man, like, you know, I just feel like life's a bunch of false summits, right? It's like, oh, like I feel good. And like, you know, just like, look what this past year did to everything. Right. It's like, you know, it's like, I mean, we're, you know, what it did to the fitness industry, what it's still doing and all this other stuff, you know, the challenges CrossFit has gone through, um, you know, you, you, you don't prepare for that. You, there's no one's like, Oh, like I was ready for this. So there's new challenges. And now, you know, it's like, if you, even if you were successful, you know, now you're more challenged, right? There's, there's, there's a new summit somewhere. Cause we have to create the new, but digging the trenches and, and, and but never leaving them. Cause you know, and, and this is why I think this is important is because, Along the line, along along the last ten years, I think that what happens to a lot of coaches and athletes is burnout, mm-hmm. right? You know, athletes are the easy, easy, easy one, right? You people train into in the point where they literally, they you know, when they're done competing, whether it's by choice or 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 not, they never they, like they they fall off, right? Mm-hmm whether it's the face of the CrossFit, you know, you know, planet or, or physically, right. Um, cause they're burned out you, know, you, and you see that in a lot of sport. Right. But then in, in the coaching world, I mean, I, again, I, I've seen a lot of gym owners that coach 40 classes a week, like maniacs. And then, you, you know, a couple of years later, they're out, they're burned out, they sell it, they just walk away, whatever it might be. So it's important to dig the trenches, right? You have to bleed. And that's another thing where like, I mean, I don't know any successful coach that ha- that wasn't opening and closing gyms at one point in their career mm-hmm. that was coaching every class that was sleeping in the gym. Like, because when you don't have, when you don't know what to do, you're like, well, I'm going to do it all. <laughs> you know, like, you know, it's, you know, but, and, and not only that, you learn so much in those moments. Again, I don't think this is unique to CrossFit, right? Like you hear any successful person, right? Like sure. you, you, you hear those stories of just like, I was just listening to this book about this guy, just, you know, big tech guy in Silicon Valley during the dot-com bubble and just talking about how, you know, was spending 80, 90 hour weeks, you know, like just, I don't even know how you find that kind of time, but like, you know, and, and just ever sleeping at the office, never seeing his family, you hear that stuff and, mm-hmm. you know, th- th- you're digging the trenches. But then I think what happens is certainly in the CrossFit space is that there's this expectation to get out of them. Mm. And then maybe never go back. Hmm. Right. It's like, I hear like, Oh, I don't coach anymore. Or, yeah. You know, whatever it might be. And, and I think that's a problem because 
you have to, you gotta, you gotta be in the field, you know, and you have to coach people. You have to be with your people. That doesn't mean you're coaching. You know, it's like I coach way less than I ever did. Right. You know, and, you know, because my responsibilities have increased in scope, therefore I have to make sure I take care of my staff and my coaches. Right. That's, and that's my job, but I still coach as much as I can, you know, and, and, and I still love it and I still get excited about it. And there's the beautiful simplicity in that type of task, like what, you know, and, but also the minute that you leave the field and, and you're not in it, you become out of touch. And when you become out of touch, you can't really, you, you can't be the best at whatever it might be. So, you know, if I'm, I, if I'm going to program for affiliates and, and, and competitors, if I'm going to teach seminars about how to be a coach, you know, if I'm, you know, if I'm going to, to shepherd younger coaches and help them out, you know, I need to coach. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I, and, and it makes me better. Um, and it allows me to also be in touch with what's happening. And, and all, because the, the experience is when people ask me, how do you deal with the athletes that don't listen to you? Mm-hmm. When, you know, how do you deal with the athlete that cheats or miscounts, right? Like you hear these things, but I can speak from experience. Right. And I need those experiences to continue. I need mm-hmm. to be confronted, challenged. I need to to struggle, to fail, to triumph. I need to do all of that. Mm-hmm. So then I can I can pass that along. So you gotta you gotta be in the trenches and never really leave them. And that's why I still train hard. I, you know, I, I don't have a have an expectation to go to the CrossFit Games next year or something, anything like that. But I still train. I guess you could say like a maniac um, because. I do think it's important for me to do a lot of the, the competitive programming that we do and mm-hmm. to keep pushing the envelope, um, even though my goals have changed sl- you know, slightly you know, compared to five years ago um, and 10 years ago. But, you know, so you got to be in the trenches there. Mm-hmm. And because that's what people expect in, out of a leader. They expect that out of, I hope, themselves. Um, and I think it's it's really... Um, I guess you could say like hip nowadays to like, you know, want to, people want to like retire early and do all this stuff. And like, I just don't like, that's just not my jam, you mm. know, like I just, and I guess for some it's great, but, and, and, and maybe it dovetails into another lesson. Right. But like, and yeah. And so I guess we can go to another one. It's like mm. to be real, to be caring and to be passionate. Mm. Because the fundamental aspect of being the hardest worker in the room, expecting no one to care, to dig these trenches, to stay out there, to, to do this stuff. And it's got to be who you are, mm-hmm. right? I mean, never once as you, you know, when you're growing up, like, man, I can't wait to wake up at 4.30 a.m. and <laughs> go to bed at 11. And, and, and you know, I got, but you just like, you do it because that's, because you care and that's, and that's what you need. And, and the, but being care, but caring is not enough. You need to be passionate. You need to be real. Mm. And I, I say this because of not because of feedback that I've received, that it's something that, and I ask myself a lot, like, what do I do to receive that feedback? I do seminars, I do things like that. People always say that, you know, I loved Austin's energy, his passion, his enthusiasm, whatever it might be. And I think to myself, it's, that's just who I am. Like, right. I, I love this stuff. And mm-hmm. so when I'm around, I always tell people, you know, 
you know, they, at the end of a seminar, they'll say something like, oh, like, you know, it's, uh, you know, thank you for this or that, or, you know, enjoyed your, your lectures, your coaching. I think to, I, I say back to them literally, like, it's easy yeah. to do that in mm-hmm. front of people that want to be there. Right. I feed off of that where it's a lot different story when you have a room of 50 people that don't like you. <laughs> right. And that don't, or don't, don't like the methodology or the mm-hmm. message you're speaking. Right. So, um, and so that, so that gets me excited. And, and so then, but you just have to be yourself and, and, and coaches ask a lot, what's the most important aspect that coach can have? Yeah. Be the hardest work in the room, but you know, you know, I think that worked 10 years ago, but now like, what does it really mean? Like you have to just care about your people, mm-hmm. but also be real with your people, be passionate with your people and be vulnerable. And because those are things that really do allow you to be trusted, mm-hmm. right? Because you have to be trusted as a coach. You have to be trusted as a leader. You have to be trusted as, you know, as, as a friend. So those are things that we can't, if you don't care, then you're really going to have a hard time with any of this stuff. So I think that, that's, 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 it's interesting that you said that not to cut you off Austin, but so we had MDV on uh, a couple weeks ago, a buddy of yours and somebody you worked with very early on. And some of the things yeah. that the first question I asked is, you know, you've been around Austin, you've been around James, you've been around a lot of these really well-known coaches. What's, what's the biggest lesson that you've learned? And he started, it was the first question of the episode. And he said, the biggest thing I learned from them was you need to give a shit. You have to care. And it's so cool to see you echo that without even knowing that background. And I think it comes back to just the phrase of like, you know, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And him and I talked about it. I'm sure you would agree that as a coach, you can know every modification, every workout in the books, and you can know all that stuff. But at the end of the day, if you, if they don't have that sense of like, do you care about me? Um, I think that kind of resonates with the the third pillar that you're talking about. Yeah, 100%. because it, you know, you think about it, it's not hard to, to, it's not hard to learn and to memorize. It's, it, it's really not hard to be smart, mm. right? Like, you know, when you think about it, you know, like I, I'm really, I'm underwhelmed by that because what I mean by that is it's, if you sit down, you go learn something, right? Now I'm, I'm overwhelmed by excellence, by expertise. My mastery, right? when you watch, like because that's rare, mm-hmm. because that's cup, because that's that's decades of hard work of, of all that stuff. But first, if, if it's not hard to you know learn the points of performance, you know of of the air squad, it's just mm-hmm. not memorize it. Like you could do it, you know. So when people come in and, and they don't they don't know the points of performance for the nine fundamental movements, and they're a CrossFit coach, I'm relatively disappointed. Right. Right. In, in fact, I'm very underwhelmed. Because it shows to me that there's been a flaw. And, and again, because it, it, it's about the care. And then it also dovetails into another one, one of my, my lessons is master the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. This is sort of like the 10 general physical skills is that they're not they're, they're they're It's a nice summary, but they are not independent of one another. You know, it's like they're very dependent on one another, where if you are truly, if you care, if you're real, if you're passionate, that will f- always force you to keep learning. Mm. Because if I care about my craft, I need to get better for my people. If I love, if I love what I do and I want to get you better, I have I can never stop. So when people tell me, 
I get this and it just, it frustrates me. It's like, why, you know, I, I'm just here to, you know, to re up, to get my level one or my level two. Or mm. you know, it's like, I think to myself, like, man, that's such a bad attitude. Cause like, you know, and then I see the other end of the spectrum where I see like people like, I want to get my level two in like next week. I'm like, well, wait, like get some experience. Sure. Right. Like, so, but, and the reason why is that at some point you need to recognize that in order for you to be a better coach, a better at anything, you need to get better. Right. And it's, and it's kind of weird to me that like, so like, you know, like that people are so, you know, enthralled with all these weird things and we call it majoring in the minors as opposed to it's like well can you go can can someone walk in the gym and you teach them any of the nine fundamental movements right now no matter what and then someone like well do they you know have if i teach the push jerk do i have to teach them how to press like that wasn't my question <laughs> you should be able to teach any human a push jerk with a, with a pvc pipe without any knowledge like you should be able to do that because it's laid out for you that's a fundamental movement now. And, and, and so though mastering the fundamentals and the reason why I wrote this down is just uh, one of my top ones here is because it also equates to competing. And I, I think this is something we're starting to see a little more. And it makes me worried is that newer athletes. Now the rock, like, so what you're seeing now is you're seeing some unbelievable, just freak, nature freak of nature athletes right like it's cool like we knew this was coming right like 10 years ago like there were people that were going to the games that were just they just did crossfit you know and they're yeah. like and they knew how to do movements right? right like oh you made it right like <laughs> but now you're seeing athletes out there that are like you know it's like you're like okay that person is just better than me in you know physically in life you know like yeah. and, and you know i know people don't, like i don't care how hard you work you're not ever going to probably get there. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, um, you know, and you see some of these athletes and, but what that creates is a intoxication with task accomplishment as opposed to how they get there. And you, and you'll notice that the athletes don't move that well. Mm. So, so you're going to, you're going to start to see that I think so. And what that will lead to is a shorter lifespan, you know, so let's, let's look at uh, the top athletes consistently males and females you know that have been consistent he mm -hmm. is consistency right like mm -hmm. so you have like a, a rich frony mm -hmm. he he moves beautifully right like doesn't get enough credit in my opinion you know matt frazier moves well right very good mover tia claire good mover right annie thor's daughter good mover right so and there are other athletes out there that have that are like, I see, I use Sam Briggs as a great example, like, cause Sam Briggs competed forever. Her, her, her raw potential is better than any other human, human I think I've ever met, Yeah. but, she, but really struggled with movement in the beginning of her career, right? Like back injuries and things like that, but has gotten better over time, but still th th those movement inefficiencies are really what holds her back in my mm -hmm. opinion. Right. But to her credit, it's worked hard at cleaning those up. Right. Absolutely. And I just, and I, you know, Ben Smith, such a good mover, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, and these are, and, and the reason why is, you know, there are obviously newer athletes I'm, I'm not talking about. The reason why is because I'm talking about athletes been around for 10 years. Right. And, and, but there are athletes that I'm not mentioning right now that were amazing when they, and that you're like, wow, these people like on paper and, you know, should win. Mm -hmm. But usually the quality of movement's not there. 
And I'm starting to see that creep up. So we, we, sh- and that's why it's funny. I think I, I don't know where I wrote this. Or maybe it was on my podcast. Is that like, I think that if you're going to go to the CrossFit games and want to compete, you need to go to your level one. Mm. This has nothing to do with, because I work for CrossFit. And I think, you know, I think it's because why wouldn't you? Cause when I first started, I was like, I'd like to go to the games, right? Well, I should learn about CrossFit, about mm-hmm. the sport that I want to compete in and win from CrossFit. It just seems to make sense. So when I hear uh, games athletes that don't have their level one, I think that they've, they've woefully, woefully overlooked the fundamentals. Mm. You know, and, and, I, and, I, and I'll go down this side because, again, Rich is a good friend of mine. And I know a lot about him. Rich has an understanding of CrossFit. He's, he, he, he's, was on seminar staff. And, and when I, his understanding of that has led to, he understands not only programming, Absolutely. but quality of movement, mm-hmm. those types of things. And I really do think that matters. Um, I, I just can't imagine if you were, are going to compete, you, you wouldn't go. I mean, I went to my, I went to my Olympic lifting seminar with, mm-hmm. with coach Bergner because I was like, well, I want to learn how to Olympic lift. Like sure. I just took that approach. Now there's a lot more educational conduits now than there was then, mm-hmm. but it's sort of like, I always tell people, if you're going to, I ask athletes, do you follow CrossFit.com? They're like, no, I'm like, do you want to go to the games? Like, yeah. I'm like, why wouldn't you or your programmer be deriving inspiration from CrossFit.com? Mm. That's like, so myself, James Hobart, Spencer Hendel, you know, we have the hand plan and our number one inspiration is CrossFit.com. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that will always be the case. And, and it, it's, and that's something that if it's not, then I think that's a big problem. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, Austin, if you were to, if somebody were to, were listening and they, and they like the idea of becoming a better mover, maybe they're a young athlete and they really resonate with what you just said. What are some ways that they can become better movers yeah. and look or move more like Rich or move more like Ben Smith? Mm-hmm. What, what are some, what are some ways that you would kind of uh, drive them towards? Yeah. So I think the first is go to your level one because because you're most, I'm, I'm assuming most of these athletes go to a gym, right? But even if they don't, right? Like I didn't go to a gym at the time, but I watched videos, right? Mm-hmm. And getting a new perspective is important. You know, I think uh, because oftentimes if you're in that boat, you're like, hey, I want to compete. Oftentimes you have a capacity, right? That's, that's impressive, what, what, you know, whatever it might be. And sadly, I think a lot of coaches struggle to coach a, a higher level intermediate athlete to advance, right? Right. Uh, because oftentimes the, the sort of the, the novice coach or the like, for not not with the negative connotation, the ignorant coach will say, oh, they're OK. I have to work on the new athlete. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So then you're going to. So what happens is these all these athletes that have capacity and they're like can go or extra, whatever it might be. They don't get coached. No. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think it's so vital for these athletes. So you, you come to a level one. I'm a coach. It. You're going to get yeah. coached. Right. Yeah. Like. And that's the thing where like, and, and that's, I think that's going to be very eye opening to start. That's going to be your best resource because now you're going to know what to expect. Mm-hmm. Because the nice thing is, is that there's 15,000 affiliates around the world, most of which are, are in the United States. So if you don't like, if you're not getting what you want from a gym, go to another one. Mm-hmm. And this is not a knock on a the gym they're going to. Maybe that's just not the community they might want, right? That's mm-hmm. another beautiful aspect of the CrossFit community is, hey, you know, it's like, you get a five gyms within a five mile radius, all having a different niche that they, that they 
have, right? Mm-hmm. And there's I something about pretty- getting fresh eyes on you too. Like as an athlete, I think did having different coaches or just getting a new set of eyes on you could really open yourself up to like, man, I never even thought about that, especially because, you know, I've been coaching for six, seven years now. And I, I, I have gotten to a point too, where sometimes you can take somebody so far and, and sometimes it's, it's really hard to get them to that intermediate to RX or kind of get them to that next level. But gosh, just getting a different lens and different uh, set of eyes on you could be really powerful. And that's kind of what you're saying with the L1 or just go to yeah. a different gym for a little bit or whatever it may be, but there could be some, there could be a lot of merit to that. hundred percent. And again, that's like, that's why I love this. Cause you, it, this is not, it's not a unique concept to, to CrossFit, to fitness. It's like getting a different perspective, <laughs> you know, like, of course, and, 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 and being challenged as well, you know, and, and this is something that like, and I think this is important because on the same notion, CrossFit is the only sport that develops this weird toxic mentality that the better you get, the less coaching that you think you actually need mm. and or get. Right. Cause if you think about it, right. I always say this to someone, it's like if Tiger Woods came and you're a golf coach at the local golf club, came <laughs> to your club and was like, can you coach me? You'd crap your pants. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and you're, a good golf coach. You sure. coach people there, right? But like he comes there because, um, and, and immediately, what are you thinking to yourself? I don't know if I'm a good enough coach. I don't mm-hmm. know if my skill set is where it needs to be. Right. Why don't we take that approach with our athletes? Is that if you're in my gym and you're getting better, I now as a coach need to get better mm-hmm. in order for me to deliver more to you. Sure. So mm-hmm. if you're having five or 10 year, uh, you know, members at your affiliate leave, it's because you're not getting them better. Mm-hmm. right or you're not highlighting how they are getting better either way it's your fault you know so and i and i think that that's one of those things where you know it starts with mastering the fundamentals right and but also for, you know making sure that you're always in an environment that allows you to have that coaching and feedback loop so that's it's a very strange paradigm i, f- we, I find in the crossfit community and coaches will say it too that they're more concerned about the brand new athletes right mm-hmm. and you know which if you think about from the, from the hierarchy of safety, they're the, they're the least at risk. Newer athletes are relatively deconditioned, generally speaking. They don't have the skills uh, to be able to move quickly through movement patterns. So they're moving relatively slow and their weight relative to their actual body's ability is going to be low that they're mm-hmm. lifting. So by all metrics, they're safe, mm-hmm. right? Like slow, low weight, mm-hmm. and you know they're, they're not rushing. Your intermediate athletes are at the highest risk. Because they know how to move, they have capacity, and they have the ability to do more than they probably should given their skill set, right? Yeah, that's a great point. Mm-hmm. You know, so, and that's, so when, 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 you, when you scan a class, I would say the beginners are the easiest. You put a PVC pipe in there and tell them to look to their left and copy that person, <laughs> yeah. right? Like you've taught them how to snatch, you know, yeah. like, you know, it's, it's the intermediary ones that, that, you know, that are there. And then the, for the advanced, it's really hard because now you have to teach them how to cycle muscle ups. How do you, you know, how do you, you know, have your, your, your efficiency in your butterfly chest to bar pull up, you know, those types of things. How do you get them better at that? Uh, which is hard. Mm-hmm. You're cycling the barbell and, you know, re-gripping, changing grips, changing stances, depending on the lifts that you're doing. This is maybe for your one to 2% of your gym, but sure. those are, t- you know, those are topics that you probably, most coaches don't have the skill set to deliver upon. Mm-hmm. And how do you do that in a class with mixed ability? Yeah, that's another really? level. <laughs> exactly. So, 
Yeah. So, so far, we just to go back here, number one, we have be the hardest worker and expect nobody to care. Number two is yeah. dig the trenches, but don't ever fully leave them. Number three, be real, be caring, be passionate. Number four is master the fundamentals. Uh, Austin, what's number five? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, and I think that, so to keep these kind of dovetailing in, I think uh, for a good one to round out these five is never stop getting feedback. Mm. And I wrote this down. It's funny. I wrote it down as my 10th one um, because it's easy to forget, right? This is from, we, we, we just talked about that from the perspective of an athlete, right? You have to get feedback, coaching. Mm-hmm. From, a, from a professional perspective, business perspective, you need to be getting feedback. So I think there's a few things here. So feedback has two sides, right? It's giving it, it's receiving it, but then really none of that matters other than implementation. I, I could give you feedback on your, on, on, you know, on your podcast and you could be like, all right, cool. Thanks. But never put it into play. Right. <laughs> right. You know, so, and if, if that continually happens, yeah. Oh, I get feedback, but yeah, you don't do anything with it. Right. So on the contrary, you also need to vet it all. Right. Cause you can't just become, you know, the uh, a chameleon to what others are are expecting right mm-hmm. which is hard but i will tell you certainly nowadays people and i know this comes this comes off bad but people are so soft mm. feedback sucks it sucks to hear that you could have done something better we internalize feedback as an attack on our personal character uh, we, t- we, it's, we take it personal, mm-hmm. which at the core, I love, that means you care. That means you're passionate, which means you don't want to let people down. Sure. Yes. Right. Those are good things. Like, like you don't, you, it, the last thing you want is someone that's like, uh, you know, sort of an apathetic pushover, right? That's not an attribute that you want, but it does. If that's, if you have that, that attribute, it, it really is hard to hear it. So one, put yourself in an environment to get consistent feedback. Mm. That's, so that's, that's how you never stop getting feedback. That's why the level one's a good place to start from a movement perspective. Then from there, the level two, gosh, we, my, myself and Denise and James Hobart, we, we, have, we started the, the coach development program, which was literally based on that one thing. We would get questions from coaches. After the level two, level two is very feedback-oriented course. They're like, how do I keep this going? Mm-hmm. I, this because th- I said that it was it's it's my favorite feedback after the the, the level two is it was so eye opening, challenging, but it, refreshing to get feedback on my mm-hmm. coach. I've never gotten that before. Right. I need to get that. So we created the coach development program for that. Like coaches has come to us. We have other uh, sites, and and you coach, and we give you feedback because we realized how important that was and how hard it is for some to be in that environment. Right. So if you're the if you're a coach at 5 a.m. and you're the 5 a.m. coach, most people ain't coming in to just give you feedback at 5 a.m. <laughs> you know, there are logistical challenges there, but, and then how do you implement it? I actually, the most important attribute a coach can have when it, about all these, when, when you laid the foundation of hard work and care, which I think now, I think now because the field's deeper, that's a rite of passage, mm-hmm. right? But I think the most important attribute a coach can have is the ability to receive feedback and then implement it consistently. Got it. Because if you do that, you will always get better. 
Mm-hmm. You have the humility to know that you're not the best and you'll listen to other belief systems. You'll be open-minded and that we'll talk about that one on the next one. Yeah. I think that's, like, so, that's so important too, because you also have to be able to ask for it. Cause sometimes like, you know, I can imagine the coach listening that's like, yeah, like nobody really says anything to me or I don't, I don't, you know, I, I don't get feedback from my gym owner or whatever else. But I think the, the, you know, the most knowledgeable and the most wise coach, if you will, is the one that's maybe seeking feedback. And that's maybe a different lens than anything else. Like it's not just going to come to you and you got to be able yeah. to maybe step out of your comfort zone and say, you know, to your colleague or gym owner, somebody, Hey, can you give me some feedback? How did that go? And then also be open to whatever they say back and not because the first thing you want to do is say, no, like that's, that's not what I meant or that's not what I was supposed to try. You know? So I think it's important to look for it a, and then, and then B know that you're probably not going to like what they say, but just take it and you know, whatever you got to say is whatever you got to say, but just, just swallow it with pride and then, and then fix it as going forward. But I think just the notion of like, you got to sometimes you got to go and look for it. Yeah. Gosh, you know, it's that notion of what 360 feedback, right? Where like, you know, you specifically, if you're in a position of leadership, a position of responsibility, you know, AKA power in some way, shape or form. Yeah. You need to ask your people how you're doing. Mm-hmm. And, and it is so hard because it's not fun to hear, Oh, like you, I wish you did this differently. Yeah. You know, like, but you got to act, you need to give your people the right to give you feedback. And if you do it enough, people will then give it to you. And like, so like you create a culture of feedback, right? Mm-hmm. Cause, the, cause the minute that, and also it's, it's, it's funny because you can create a fear-based culture too with feedback, which is not good where like I can, I can encourage feedback, but I only encourage the feedback that I want to hear. Mm. And, and I do, I can do that subconsciously, subliminally by rewarding that and, and by punishing the, the actual constructive feedback. So you have to be very careful, certainly if you're in a leadership position, right? So, and you can do it without even thinking about it as well. Mm-hmm. So that's why you always need feedback from other people. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that means you, you need to relinquish control or blow things up or change. You know, it's like, you know, it's like, there's a lot of things happening in our culture now, right? In society. And it's, I believe that it's really because the feedback has, there, there's been a, a stop in feedback somewhere. You go to any organization where, where, where toxic things have happened, communication is broken down. And so you, you pull it back to, to our world, whether it's fitness, whether it's coaching, you have to, when that, if an athlete doesn't want to get coached, like when I was like, when I scale an athlete, they don't want to hear it. That's your fault. You've allowed that to happen in your mm. community. Like it's, it doesn't mean it's not going to be hard. Like no one's ever said no to me before, but it doesn't mean I had, I've had a hard conversation with someone where someone's like, I don't want to do that. Well, well, great. Why? I'm going to listen. I'm going to hear you out. Mm-hmm. It can't just be because I'm the boss. You suck. I'm mm-hmm. the coach. You're the athlete. Because now it puts them on their heels. I need to listen. And also understand that, you know, there needs to be some level of mutual of that respect mm-hmm. of, of, of what my role and your role as well. So creating that type of dialogue, which is feedback oriented, also just allows a very collaborative and healthy environment. So in and, and coaching, when you're an athlete and gosh, I mean, you could, you know, you, you overlay this into relationships as well. I mean, feedback really is what 
what anyone in a relationship talk, calls communication and compromise, right? Mm-hmm. And and understanding. No, no one likes hearing that. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that that's probably the most important thing from a continual growth perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a coach, Austin, that is listening to this, they're like, man, I've never really humbly, I've never really asked for feedback before. Where do I start with it? Do you, is your advice, who is the person that you would advise them to, to go to first? Is it the gym owner? Is it the colleague? Is there a specific member? Because I think the first time is going to be a little bit maybe awkward yeah. if they've never asked for this. Who's somebody that they can go to uh, if it's their first time asking for feedback? Yeah, you know, I, I think... I think a good, it's helpful to get feedback from someone that knows how to give feedback, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So if, and hopefully someone that's in a position of leadership has had some experience there, right? So whether it's your gym owner, whether it's your head coach, a more experienced coach, um, gosh, you know, maybe someone in the gym that has their level two or higher, right? That's someone that's at least, you know, received some level of feedback. Um, I think that's a good place to start. Um, I think member feedback is really powerful. Mm-hmm. It's so it's sort of be ready because they're oftentimes not good at giving feedback. <laughs> right. What I mean by that is it's probably going to hurt, you know, but they, there's always a shred of truth, right? Like, you know, truth said in jest type of thing. Like, mm-hmm. like you have to, and it's, so it's harder to process and sift through to get out some type of tangible, at, you know, actionable tool. Mm-hmm. But, member feedback is valuable. That's also why you should take your own classes, mm-hmm. uh, not our own classes, but like, you know, take your own programming at your gym and be a part of that to be a member because you also get their perspective. Mm-hmm. And so when you get a piece of feedback, you're like, Oh gosh, that actually makes sense. Cause you know, when I took class, I was bored during my warm up. Sure. You know, I was like, and shit, I coached that class the same <laughs> yeah. way. Yeah. Right. So, so I think, and it will, so doing those types of things can be helpful. I mean, he, here's the, the least invasive on other people's time film your class mm. um hands down the hardest to watch like i mean because i mean you sit down and watching your class you're going to hate yourself you'll hate yeah. yourself you'll you'll you're because you're your worst critic right um but that is a, a good way to do it certainly for those that are sort of in a corner and don't have many options um so but you know don't beat yourself up too hard that you know that's my disclaimer on that one yeah i think not to be a dead horse here but the, also with the feedback is too is like my advice i guess would be not to ask too many people because the more you ask the more feedback you're going to get and if you're a new coach or even not a new coach like let's not let's not floodgate this thing and give me 12 things rather maybe let's just talk to two people they each give you two things and that's a little bit easier to swallow a little easier to handle than if you ask the whole member base on a facebook page what can i work on you're gonna get a hundred yeah. things and it's just gonna be impossible to try to please everybody so maybe just again just speaking to some people that maybe aren't used to this just take one thing at a time maybe two and perfect that's those it. that's it i mean that's great advice you know because it's like you know hey i'm gonna give you one or two things you know, it's, it's not a survey, mm-hmm. right? You know, it's like, you're yeah. not the, you know, it's not like, what would you like? You know, it's like, you know, and yeah, the, the value of a survey is, do you see consistencies? That's the easiest type of way to get better at something, right? It's like, you know, what, what don't, you know, what's the one area that you'd like to see change at the gym and you hear 50 of the same thing. Got yeah. it. That's what <laughs> we're focusing, right? Like, right. but probably not a good idea to, to, to solicit that feedback from the massive group like that. So I agree. 
Okay, cool. Uh, So so just to recap, one through five, we have be the hardest worker and expect nobody to care. Number two, dig the trenches and don't ever fully leave them. Number three, be real, be caring, be passionate. Number four, master the fundamentals. And five, never stop getting feedback. So those are the first five. Guys, we're going to take a break. We'll come back again and we're going to hit six through 10. Uh, Again, these are 10 uh, lessons in 10 years that Austin has uh, learned through being a gym owner, a coach, and a CrossFit Games athlete. I hope you guys are enjoying this come on back and we're going to continue this conversation. 